0: Third Time really was The Charm.
1: Three is a magic number.
2: Top of the morning to y'all, and welcome to Third Time's a Charm, the show that takes an in-depth look at the third installment of a franchise. Today's movie is Leprechaun 3 from 1995, Directed by Brian trechard Smith. I'm your host, Mike O'Manzi, and welcome to this very lucky episode. It's March. It's St. Patrick's Day, and there just so happens to be an Irish-themed horror franchise that's made it way past Part Three. And today, I have the help of the official Third Times a Charm horror consultant, Dan of the Dead Cologne. Dan and I had a lot of fun diving into the entire Leprechaun franchise, but especially Part Three. It's a film I kind of adore. I'm not gonna lie. It's a lot of fun. But before we get to that, you know the drill. It's time for the show within a show. No Part 3. Part 3. Today on No Part 3, I'd like to highlight an amazing series that only has two movies to its name. And the second installment may far and away be the greatest sequel ever made if not one of the best movies of all time ever. Today, on No Part 3, I'm talking Gremlins. Now, yeah, I know... why. Well, because, that's why. Gremlins 1 is a fantastic children's horror movie. Heck, I saw it in theaters as a very wee lad, and was both laughing and screaming. I recall the afternoon my dad took me to see Gremlins 2 on a hot summer afternoon, and being completely blown away by the direction that that movie took. That movie definitely broke my child mind for the better, and I truly believe that if they got the original team back, or heck even some of the best new talent out there today they can really push what it means to be a part 3. There's been rumblings over the years of a Gremlins 3. Everything from like a found footage take to a full-blown remake have been rumored. But alas, it seems the latest news regarding Gizmo the Mogwai and his vicious Gremlin brethren is that they will get the animated treatment probably for Netflix, which will probably highlight the adventures of Gizmo, no doubt. To be honest, I'll take whatever I can get at this point. While I'd love a new feature film, any new Gremlins is welcome by me. So there you have it. This week's No Part 3. No!
1: Part 3.
2: So now we're going to Vegas, making a wish and hoping it won't cause harm. It's time for not one, not two, but part three of the series called Leprechaun. One
1: little two. Little three, little leprechauns, four, little five, little six, little leprechauns.
2: Okay, so top of the morning to you, Dan. Top of the morning, Mike. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much for joining me for this episode of Third Time's a Charm. Welcome back. This is your third appearance.
0: That's right. Third time. Maybe third time's a charm for me on this podcast. I guess We'll uh, see. We'll see. <laughs>
2: The first movie you were here for was Halloween 3, and then you were here for Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. And you're back here now because you are the show's official horror consultant, Dan of the Dead. So we're here today to celebrate March and St. Patrick's Day and talk about Leprechaun 3.
0: Yeah, I'm excited for this one. I actually binge-watched this whole franchise last year. And whew, it's a lot of fun, but it's really difficult to defend. Mm-hmm. But I uh, I really enjoy it, so I was glad to have the opportunity to come on for this episode.
2: Oh, cool! I'm I'm glad the entire series is sort of fresh in your memory a little bit, and don't worry about having to defend these movies. You know, they're <laughs> they're they're not they're just designed as you know cheap. Horror schlock, direct-to-video kind of stuff. You know, they're mostly harmless entertainment and everything. Yeah, this is no masterpiece by any means. So you know, have at it if you if you feel the urge. All right. Okay, so Dan, right off the bat, I want to know because I, I you know we're friends, but funny enough, I don't know all that much about your heritage. Are you Irish
0: by any chance? I think I'm a little bit Irish. I've never actually gone through and done any of those 23 and Me or, or, or any of those like tests to find out like what my different percentages of different uh, ethnicities. Is. Like I've never I don't know. I know that my mom's side of the family is pretty European. There's definitely some French, English and German in there. I think my grandmother on my dad's side was I think she might have been part Irish. So like I could tell you for sure that I am not a lot Irish. But if there's any Irish in me, there's uh, it's certainly small amount.
2: I'm definitely not, but I have a half-brother and his mom is Irish. So I don't know if that counts, but (laughs) probably not.
0: I can say that um, I have a pretty strong affinity for Irish culture. I personally love St. Patrick's Day as a holiday. So the enthusiasm uh, is certainly there. I just can't speak for my own personal ethnicity.
2: Yeah, I'm with you there too. Like I'm you know, anyone that knows me personally knows I'm, I'm not a very big drinker, more of a teetotaler, but that's not to say I don't love the holiday St. Patrick's Day. Like, I love St. Patrick's Day, Day of the Dead. Any holiday that takes a whole day to celebrate a culture like that, I think, you know, that's great. So we are here, though, to kind of thematically be on track with March and talk about, you know, th- there is a leprechaun-themed horror series here. Why not take the time and talk about it this month? Thought it would be fitting. Dan, we're going to get into history real quick, our history with the series. You mentioned that you went through all of the movies last year, but are you aware that there is now a new eighth movie? in the series. Have you seen that one yet?
0: I have not seen the most recent film. I've seen the original seven. That's it. I've been meaning to watch the new one, but I just haven't gotten a chance to do that yet. So
2: I just finished watching it before this recording, believe it or not. I woke up early and watched it. And I was kind of, you know, I was kind of impressed. It's not that bad. It's actually kind of fun. And the the craziest thing about it. It's the only one... Well, it's one of the only ones that really follows any continuity. It's a direct sequel to the original Leprechaun. So technically, it's like leprechaun two also it's called leprechaun returns but it's like a direct sequel to the first movie so if they ever make another sequel to this it'll be kind of like another leprechaun three if it's like leprechaun returns again
0: which you know he probably will because he can just never stay dead
2: well that's what's amazing it's been 25 years since Leprechaun has graced the silver screen, believe it or not. There was even a great weekend update joke on SNL where someone came out and reviewed the best movie of that year, and uh, it was the only movie released that year, and so it was at that point the best movie of the year. But it was last year the first time that you had tackled the Leprechaun series, Dan? Had you seen any of them before this sort of marathon that you had gone on?
0: Right. So growing up, they were pretty popular with a lot of the people that I spent time with, as because a kid.
2: But I um,
0: never caught them on television and uh, I never rented them from a blockbuster. So I had never seen them properly until I became an adult. And they were always kind of on my radar as I got into horror and sort of schlocky horror in particular. I always thought like those are the pretty popular for that that crowd. But I wasn't about to spend, you know, $10 per movie to watch them. But then I was strolling through a Walmart and I found all seven movies in a box set for like seven or eight dollars. So I I thought, here's my moment. So I bought that sight unseen and then saved it for uh, a St. Patrick's Day marathon last year you know I just I crammed them all into maybe about a week or so unless uh, I can't remember I do so many of these marathons that I can't remember if I did did it all at once or if I spread it out over
2: the course of a week but
0: either way I did like a March St. Paddy's marathon with with all seven movies
2: oh that's excellent nice keeping in theme
0: yeah so it did take me a while to get to this franchise but it was mostly because I didn't feel like like nothing ever gave me the impression that I needed to spend a whole lot of money to see them so I just waited I waited until they were too cheap to argue
2: yeah and that's, I feel like, their design as well. Like, wait until you can get them for a dollar a piece all at once, and in some kind of bargain bin this type of situation. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I remember this series when um, this was very predominant. A series when I was in high school. I remember the first one came out. I didn't see it in theaters, although I believe the first two made it to theaters. Yes. This was a, a huge straight-to-video series at the time. So we rented these all the time. I'm, the first one stands out for sure because it's got Jennifer Aniston in it. She's pretty good in it. She's got great comic timing. Another th- weird thing about the first one, it almost feels like it was supposed to be like a horror movie for kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that they've kind of kept some of that light-hearted Comedy or try to keep that laced throughout the entire series, I feel. Uh, but they do get progressively gorier and nakeder um, as they go along. So,
0: yeah, I think of this franchise much in the same way as I think of Child's Play in the way that they started kind of almost as straight horror films. But even the original Child's Play has some childlike qualities to it. It's almost for kids, but not quite. But then as, as both franchises progressed, you know, they, they, seem to lean much more in the the comedy than the horror. Although I think that Leprechaun 2, almost like Child's Play 2, kind of finds that perfect balance of comedy and horror. Although I don't know that either are ever truly scary but I think Leprechaun 2 finds that balance of you know jokes and really violent and creative killing whereas I think by the time they got to the third one here it's all pretty much all comedy with over the top kill gags and I don't think there's a single scary moment in this film I don't, I don't know that they were ever intending for that. Yeah
2: no and that was a, a shift that they welcomed actually because like we were saying the first movie sort of couldn't really find its tone it, it wasn't sure if it wanted to be a kids film or a horror film for everybody. The second one was like, nope, we're going to be a horror movie. Right. And I remember sitting down to watch the second one and being like, what's this? Because it takes place in Hollywood. Like, I don't think any of them take place on St. Patrick's Day, which is kind of a missed opportunity. But it has something to do with Houdini's tree and this tour guide and everything. And I'm like, okay, they're going off in their a new direction. They're trying to sort of reset things. And you're right, it was sort of just focused on horror at that point. By the time we get to part three, yeah, can I just make a pun and say all bets are off?
0: Yeah, it's it's just balls to the wall, bad puns, goofy gags, just absolute ridiculousness. And that's, I mean, that's the appeal of this particular movie. Yeah. It's total it's total garbage, but it's it's so aware of that and it's having so much fun with what they're trying to do that like it's hard to um to fault it for that.
2: Yes, exactly my my feelings too. And a reason for that is that this is the first time that the series did not get a theatrical release. It, this is a direct-to-video release. It was something like 2.5 million dollars to throw this whole thing together.
0: And I want to know where that money went because it's not on the
2: screen. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think <laughs> I think some of it I think some of most of it must be uh, the leprechaun makeup I think. That's where some of it is. I think they had to I would have given Caroline Williams a lot of that money, you know, for showing up for this who if you don't remember was Stretch from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Sure. She's in this movie. And I think maybe some of the effects, some stuff like that. This this was also a very run and gun production, so anytime yeah. you see a shot of Las Vegas, it is a stolen shot, quote unquote, where they had no permit to shoot any of that so I've seen this movie enough times to recognize the body doubles and yeah yeah <laughs> the stand-ins but again like that is definitely part of its charm like you say i feel like they definitely know what they're doing here they're not trying to make anything like respectable they know that this is yeah they're in schlock zone and they're embracing it so i really appreciate that you could feel it
0: yeah totally like i said it's really hard to to fault it for that because it, it is aware and they're not trying to make a scary movie clearly they're just trying to give the audience what they want here like blowing a woman up like a balloon you know how do you how do you try to do that in any kind of earnest way <laughs> yeah yeah you can't. No. So it's, it's probably wise on their part that they decided to lean into the comedy the way they did, because they just didn't have money to be pulling off any kind of legitimately horrifying set pieces, I think. That's probably my guess as to as to why this movie is the way it is
2: and we'll get back into it in a minute I want to I want to just sort of go down the line for the rest of the films real quick but I feel like they really find a way to sort of embrace the kills in a way like the idea that they wish for these things that are considered sort of sins and then those sins are sort of turned against them and there's sort of a real leprechaun as the movie seven thing going on here
0: sure yeah yeah
2: you know, they they find clever ways to exploit the different angles of the premise and everything.
0: Well, it it felt like when they were writing the script for this movie that they came up with all of the different like deaths and built a movie around those scenes. I don't know if you felt this way, but there's almost No exposition. Like, there's no character development. Like, these characters are the broadest, most cartoony characters I've ever seen. Like, you kind of get everything you need in the first couple minutes. And, like, oh, okay, this is the sleazy casino owner. Okay, this is the the middle aged woman who, you know, might have been a showgirl. Now her career's in the shitter. You got this kid going to college and he needs money. We don't know why, but he gambles it all away. So now, you know, like, it's just, there's no complexity to any of these characters characters you get who they are in the first couple minutes and that's it the rest of the movie is just getting from kill to, kill to kill to kill to kill to kill in as straight a line as possible whether it makes sense or not they just want to get from one scene to the next and i think that you know because but by this time we're in the third movie how much more do we need to learn about the leprechaun we just want to see him kill
2: people in creative
0: ways so they just sort of cut out all that fat all that nonsense and give, give us what we want for better or for worse.
2: Yeah, and I think it's for better because, once again, there's no continuity between part two and three. Like, the Lep shows up as a statue with a... Amulet around its neck, but in the last movie, it exploded or something. Like they had nothing to do with that. And then in the previous movie, it was the four leaf clover that killed him. So,
0: oh right, yeah. It, throughout the whole franchise, there's no consistency in how to defeat this Leprechaun. Every movie, they kind of come up with a new mythology, like a new way of doing it. it it's never consistent, and it, it's like we need a new thing to do. Oh, okay. We'll we'll just this movie it'll be uh, this amulet, and this movie it'll be uh, the four leaf clover. I have no idea what was going on in the writer's room with any of these movies but there's yeah there's absolutely no consistency which if it was any other franchise I would say that this it was a it's a detriment but it's almost like with this one they're having so much fun that you know why not change it up every single movie
2: yeah and there's also a, a theory out there on the message boards that these are not all the same leprechaun either that these are all different incarnations played at least the first six versions by Warwick Davis so that's out there on online somewhere but you're right i think this benefits very much by cutting all the crap like you say. like the, the characters are pure stereotypes there's no depth to anything there's no development it's just trying to have fun trying to have creative kills and just trying to get through these 90 minutes basically which is great
0: for sure and, and i really like the las vegas setting because as a narrative it almost reminds me of an episode of tales from the crypt where it's like these little morality tales woven into this larger story so everyone kind of gives into their base impulses then pays for it
2: later you know yeah
0: which is kind of cool
2: okay just want to go down the rest of the line here next up is leprechaun for leprechaun in space. So, you know, if that doesn't give you a sense of where their head was at and what they're trying to do, I think you get it by that point. And surprisingly, the same director returns for that. So he did back-to-back three and four. They kind of serve as a nice double feature, if you're ever in the mood for those. But that is something that I always enjoy when a franchise gets to the mark that They end up in space. It took Jason ten movies. I think it took Hellraiser five movies. Four maybe?
0: Four, yeah. I was gonna say that Leprechaun and Hellraiser are the only two franchises that I'm aware of where they made it to space in four movies.
2: That's pretty quick. Like I applaud that. That's just not trying to fight what appeals to your audience, you know, just this it's just the base premise it's not so much the characters they care about it's just they just want to see Cenobites doing crazy shit in different locations where haven't we seen them do crazy stuff well you know how about a space station
0: (laughs) I, I would make the argument that it's more disappointing in the Hellraiser franchise because so much of that of those like first two movies and I think I'll even say to a degree the third movie is pretty good legitimate horror None of it was really played for laughs. Uh, in the third one, we do get the Cenobite with the you know who shoots CDs out of his face, which that's admittedly ridiculous. But I mean, the, those first two Hellraiser movies are uh, incredible and legitimately scary. So I think that for them to get to space in four movies is a like that is a really steep decline. Whereas Leprechaun,
2: it was always Destination Moon for Leprechaun, right? Yeah, like it was. It was
0: almost I think even in the first one there had to have been a, a degree of self awareness where they knew that it was silly, even if they tried to play most of it for legitimate scares. So yeah, I would say that space was almost a, a foregone conclusion for the Leprechaun franchise whereas Hellraiser, it was like ending up in the bargain bin somewhere, you know, like not where, not where they ever intended it to go, but you know, there it was. And then, I mean, they did try to make up for it by by also telling an origin story. So Hellraiser 4 does take place in space, but it also, it takes place like years in the past setting up the origin of the of the puzzle box. So I, I would say that it's, it's much more disappointing for Hellraiser, but Leprechaun it's like, why not go to
2: space? Not disappointing, though, about Hellraiser 4, if I'm not mistaken, serious actor turned comedic actor turned serious actor once again. Adam Scott appears in that movie, no less. We'll save the rest of that conversation for when we come back for Hellraiser 3. <laughs> it's in my closet. I'm looking okay. at it now. <laughs> after they go to space, there's, um, there's Leprechaun in the hood, comes after that. Yep and then leprechaun back to the hood. So there's still potential for leprechaun goes back to the hood again for a third time, which would be crazy because, you know, you could potentially have three different part 3s in this series due to continuity or lack thereof.
0: And wouldn't we be lucky, Mike?
2: <laughs> I think those those leprechaun in the hood movies, they're not that bad to be quite honest. They sort of take the like, you know, the black exploitation angle of it cuz All these movies really are just, like, modern exploitation films in a lot of ways, you know? They, you know, are very non-PC and...
0: Sure, and I know it seems strange if you look at it on a macro level. Like, if you stand back and look at this franchise, they went to space, then immediately went to The Hood twice... But if memory serves, now, again, I I was a kid when these came out. So and I wasn't watching them, but I knew a lot of people who did. If memory serves, this franchise for uh, like somehow became very popular in the African American communities. Like, I I think most of the people I knew who loved them were not, you know, white horror nerds. They were black people. And I think that's why maybe it went in that direction. Is that correct? I don't actually know.
2: So I don't do a ton of research. This show's very lax, but I have listened to a couple reviews of the, of those movies and such, and I have heard the same thing. I just heard that there was a big market for them in the African American community. They just really embraced, I guess, the these movies and so they found a whole new way to market them and I give them a lot of props for doing that, for recognizing, for saying like, yeah, let's let's sort of try and cater to an audience that's there that we haven't tried before or, you know, let's broaden our horizons and see, you know, what else we can do with this character.
0: Yeah, and, and, and to their credit, I, I actually find uh, Into Hood, the first one, is actually legitimately one of my favorite entries in this franchise. I mean, the second one, when he goes back to the hood, it's, it's a little cheaper and it's, it's starting to get stale But that first one was like a shot in the arm. It was a like a sort of a bonkers direction to go in. But for whatever reason, like the stars aligned and everything came together. And it actually is one of the again, one of the more fun entries. And it ranks pretty highly in the franchise overall for me.
2: I remember because I'd only seen it once or twice, but I remember feeling like this feels like like Friday meets like a horror movie or something. Like yes, it felt like everything was really there except like the budget, unfortunately. But like it just really felt like the writing was strong and everything that they were going for was working. So I was not surprised they went back. Right. Uh, but I am surprised that after they went back to the hood a second time, that they came out with this leprechaun origins after that you've seen that one right where they even they recast the leprechaun with wwe superstar hornswoggle yes in my book the worst of the series
0: yeah oh hands down i barely got through it i I watched it because you know i'm a completist and and I, i watched the others and i was like all right we're gonna sit down we're gonna watch this and it's almost unwatchable it has virtually nothing to do with anything in the franchise like it's it's almost as though they had this script laying around and someone said well let's make it a leprechaun origin movie because there's no there are no wisecracks it's a pretty bland low-budget horror film with a unidentifiable monster you know like it's it's leprechaun in name only uh, and it's incredibly disappointing.
2: Yeah, I think it might take place in Ireland, right? Like these kids are on a trip to Ireland, but there's nothing there to tell you that, really. They could just be in the country in a pub anywhere and it could be right a nondescript creature in the in the woods coming after them. right. Very disappointed.
0: Yeah, and it doesn't explain how he gets from this like sort of unspecific monster thing to Warwick Davis in the original Leprechaun. Like how do you get from A to B? I don't know. If they if they had established that in the movie where he's wisecracking by the end, maybe it would have worked better, but you know, as it exists, it's pretty it's pretty bland and
2: terrible. So there is no book club for this because there's no novelizations for this movie, but There is a prequel comic book, and I didn't have the opportunity to to get that in time for this, but down the line, I'm going to start doing comic adaptations, too, if I can get my hands on them and stuff. And it sounds like what Leprechaun Origins should have been. It seems like it's the origins of the Warwick Davis from the first one, how he gets in the crate with the old man, brings him back to America, and Sure. So I guess there is an official telling out there somewhere. But I do recommend, I mean, especially they, I feel like they bounced back pretty high after Leprechaun Origins with Leprechaun Returns. They got this new guy, Lyndon Porco, playing the Leprechaun. And he is like, I don't know. I don't want to say he's better than Warwick Davis, but like he's as, he's definitely as good as Warwick Davis. Like he can be expressive. He's funny. He's agile. Like he really played it really well. He was not the problem with that movie. I'll tell you that.
0: Oh, I mean, and he looks pretty good too. Like I'm looking at photos from Leprechaun Returns and like he looks good. He doesn't look exactly like Warwick Davis, but that's all right. Even Warwick Davis stopped looking like that original Leprechaun by the end of the franchise. They, they certainly evolved his makeup and his overall look. But yeah, I mean, just based on the makeup and some of these promotional stills, like, I would see this movie.
2: Yeah, and I would actually say check it out. And it's a direct sequel to that very first one with Jennifer Aniston. And it played pretty well. And like I said, if they do a sequel to that, we'll be back covering it <laughs> for the second, third leprechaun movie this is sort of like you know they're gonna to get to spider-man 3 again so you know after whatever the next spider-man far from home and then they do another one it'll be the second spider-man 3 but let's get to vegas now that we've recapped the entire series vegas baby great setting for a leprechaun movie
0: yes have you ever been to vegas i've never been to vegas it's it's on my list though for sure
2: oh man we should try and plan like a big trip or something vegas is great man i think you uh, like everyone would love it. I actually haven't been there since 2011, I think. But between 2004 and 2011, I was there maybe like six or seven times. Like I went, I don't know why, but I went a lot. Like when I was, when we were at Ramapo and stuff, like I was going to Vegas like every year. I even, I don't know, like one time I went like during the school year for a weekend and like came back and stuff. And I like I was like, what am I doing?
0: I remember you uh, posting videos of your hotel rooms.
2: Yeah, so that's all my brother. That was all him getting comped with the suites and stuff like that. But yeah, he... Oh, that's awesome. He would always get, like, these huge, lavish penthouses and stuff. And, like, I would just be along for the ride, mostly, you know, when, like, paying for the ticket and stuff. So, yeah, I could never say no if he was ever like, I'm going. You're like, all right, I'm coming. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that place is a blast. And I don't know, like... Vegas here is adorable in the movie. Oh, yeah. It's more like Reno. I don't know why they didn't just set this in Reno. It, It would have had the same impact. You could have had just as much sort of gambling craziness going on. Right, but
0: yeah, cuz the the casino in this movie, the Lucky Shamrock is the shittiest casino I've ever seen.
2: Yeah, and if you've seen reindeer games, you've seen a better casino portrayed on film.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's really bad and the facade is it's basically I guess they they found a building that looked like it could be a casino and then they got one of those like banners wrapped across the front that just says the the Lucky Shamrock, and that's it. Like, it doesn't look like a, a legitimate official casino by any means whatsoever.
2: And that's because it's not? Yeah. It was shot mostly in Los Angeles or California, and... That's a hotel. The main point is that, like, everything is basically shot in California, and then they went to Las Vegas with, like, a very small B unit and shot all of this sort of, like, stolen material and all, you know, all the cutaways, all the exteriors, all the casino stuff, and all that kind of thing. But anything that the main characters needed to interact in was not shot in Las Vegas, so. Yeah, that's not surprising at all. I think the inside of the casino looks all right, you know, all things considered. It
0: looks like a casino, but it looks like a really low rent casino
2: like it looks like if
0: it's a vegas casino it looks like it's the casino that's all the way at the end of the strip where nobody goes it's hidden behind a few other casinos yeah it doesn't look like the sort of place where anybody who has any like legitimate cash would go to gamble
2: no this is where hunter thompson hides out while writing fear and loathing it's like that kind of place where it's completely hidden (laughs) off the strip and only a maniac would stay there if he had to
0: right and it's like the tackiest casino. It's like one it's like one step above a
2: strip club. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I'm surprised that it even has room for the theater with the magician and everything. Yeah. And so this movie basically takes place in two locations. Most of it is at the Lucky Shamrock Hotel and Casino, but the film opens at a pawn shop. Yes. This guy's coming into the pawn shop, he's got Lucky tattooed across his hand, he's missing an eye, missing a leg, he's got like, he's missing a hand, obviously the Leprechaun has been fucking with this guy, big time, and sure enough, he's got the Lep in a sack, And he's been turned to stone and there's like an amulet around its neck. And the guy wants to pawn the leprechaun statue. And I'm like, all right, okay, what's happening here already? (laughs) First of all, I'm just a little thrown because the leprechaun's a statue with a medallion around its neck.
0: Yeah, like we said, it doesn't have any sort of continuity from the last film, but presumably this guy encountered the leprechaun and somehow managed to turn him to stone. I don't know that it's completely necessary to know how this happens. I I mean, this guy is like the the most stereotypical unlucky person I've ever seen. Like, he's missing two limbs and an eye. Like
2: Yeah, total looney tunes.
0: It's laughable. Yeah, it's exactly. It's the most cartoonish laughable, unlucky person ever. And of course, he's got the lucky tattoo. You know, like, none of it is realistic by any means. It's amazing.
2: The next character we meet is Gupta. And I just want to say a quick word here. I don't want to get too heavy on this podcast or anything, but I couldn't help but notice that basically the actor who plays Gupta and Warwick Davis are the only two sort of non-white, normal-sized people in this entire movie, as far as, like, actors and characters go. Right. You know, Warwick Davis plays a deformed creature who's trying to kill everybody, and the Gupta character is savagely tortured for half the movie until he dies accidentally by the leprechaun. And so, I just, you know, I'm aware that it's not great representation in this film. Nope. But I also feel like the movie's aware as well, and it was 1995, it's not going for that, but it's just trying to sort of make fun with what it can work with. So, you know, I just had to say that. It was on my mind.
0: Sure. Sure. Yeah, no, it's totally uh, poor representation.
2: I mean, the white characters aren't portrayed as great either. So I could say that they're all assholes that get what they deserve for the most part. So there is that.
0: Right. And Gupta, to his credit, does kind of hang in there for a while. He gets a fighting chance and, you know, he gets more to do, arguably, than some of the other white characters in this movie. So it's mostly bad, but there there are some kind of redeeming features, you know, with him in particular. But yeah, you're right. It's It, it could have been way better. I feel like, almost feel like if every character had been white, un- like, I wouldn't be so kind of uncomfortable with it,
2: but... Yeah, it just we would it wouldn't stick out so much. Right. Right. Yeah. So, Gupta, like, he gives this guy 20 bucks for the statue? (laughs) I was like, dude, I guess he just wants to get it off his hands. Well,
0: sure. And also, he's got to think about his own, like, what he's going to be able to get for it. Who's going to want it?
2: Yeah, this is the age before Pawn Stars. So, you know, Rick and his crew haven't been around yet. or If they are, they don't have a TV show.
0: Right. And I doubt Gupta had a guy who could tell him all about, you know, Irish medallions and statues. Holy shit. That
2: would be amazing. (laughs) If he's like, I got a guy I got to call in. Can you hang around for 10? minutes, i will be right here.
0: He has the next best thing, Mike. He has a specific CD-ROM on folklore and and legends conveniently placed in his computer desk. You know, just the exact thing he needs to teach him all about leprechauns.
2: This was fantastic.
0: Yeah, so he doesn't have a guy, but he does have that conveniently placed CD-ROM with all the information.
2: So this is great, Dan, because I remember as a high schooler in 1995, you know, I was like a sophomore or something, and really. I wasn't online like that. At the school, the school had CD-ROMs. I mean, they weren't this bad. They weren't like this, but I mean, yeah, like I remember encyclopedia on disc and all that kind of thing. I mean, I had a set of encyclopedia at the house, but I mean, this is a great example of just uh, movie technology trying to get things right, but this is kind of like right in a way. Like CD-ROMs were this dumb and useless, I feel, or like they could be this cheap and uninformative and poorly done? Oh, for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a little younger than you are, but I, I definitely had CD-ROMs like this as a kid when we got a home computer and we had, you know, Windows. That was a big deal. And then, so like I was playing a lot of games and I had a, a, a whole encyclopedia set on CD-ROM. Like, I just made it under the wire for this. So it's kind of fun to look back and see what technology used to be, for
1: sure. Legends and folklore. Le. Good day My name's O'Reilly, and I'm here to tell you about leprechauns. Legend hath it that they were once magical elves in ancient times, who became obsessed with riches and gold. If a mortal gets hold of a leprechaun's gold, he'll be given one wish for every shilling in his possession. He can have anything he wants in the whole world. A leprechaun is very territorial. He can never tolerate another leprechaun crossing his boundaries. One leprechaun can be aggravating, but two can be devastating. With that in mind, let's review what we've learned about leprechauns. Number one, his power lies in his gold. Without it, he's just another gnome full of mischief. Number two, each of his gold children. So bring a wish come
2: true to anyone who possesses them. Um, and it's just, this is such incredibly non-PC humor here. I mean, it's like so over the top that you have to understand that they know what they're doing.
0: Yeah, I mean, Lucky Charms commercials are more racially sensitive than, than this
2: particular <laughs> CD-ROM. But those aren't R-rated movies, so they could, that's what they're pushing here. But this is what I'm talking about, you know what I mean? Like, As far as it's being a, like a modern exploitation film. That's what the directed DVD, directed TV market was in the 90s. There wasn't really a driving culture then. All that stuff was just getting released to blockbusters. Right. So we gotta talk about our star-crossed lovers, because here we are introduced to Scott and Tammy. Yeah. And holy shit. I mean, maybe not since Nick Cage and Elizabeth Shue (laughs) has there been a story about two people in Vegas who belong together more.
0: Do they? (laughs) Because their chemistry right from that first seed is just so uncomfortable. You have to do some pretty intense mental uh, gymnastics to put these two together based on that first encounter. It's pretty, the dialogue is god-awful.
2: So it should work because basically Tammy is broken down on the side of the road on the strip hitchhiking and Scott is like all distracted by the big bright lights and almost crashes into her. Yeah. That's like the meet cute. But Scott is such a naive dude. Dope. Like this guy, like how did he even get a driver's license? Who would trust him to drive cross country himself to college? Like this guy, I don't believe he got into college. Yeah, no, there's no way.
0: Just his his goofy one liners are just terrible. If I would like if I was her and I met this guy in real life, like I would get the fuck out of there. Like I would find another way to get to work because this guy He's not getting me
2: there. It feels like something's off with him more than, you know, maybe he's from, I don't know, the Midwest and has never seen a big city before, but that's what they're trying to go for. Yeah, she is definitely a sort of streetwise, like, what? She says she's from, like, Chicago or something, and she's a magician's assistant in in Vegas right now, and, like, that's her trade? Like, this girl's more of, like, a go-getter hustler type who would just you know, use this kid for a ride. Yeah. But I do not believe that she gives two shits after that. (laughs) Like what is going on with him? Sure.
0: And she talks about like, sure. She sort of makes reference to the fact that like, she never got a chance to go to college. And, And I'm thinking if this kid can get into college, she certainly could have gotten into college. You know,
2: like... No, absolutely.
0: It's almost embarrassing.
2: But nevertheless, he gives her a ride to where she works, which is the Lucky Shamrock Hotel and Casino, which is where we're basically going to spend the rest of the movie. So now with the Lucky Shamrock, like, the movie sort of, like, opens up and we're going to meet all the rest of the cast and all the rest of the characters. We get the magician. We have Fazio, the magician that Tammy works for. Fazio.
0: Fazio!
2: definitely based off of, like, Copperfield.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah, he's like a really god-awful David Copperfield who, quote, couldn't pull a rabbit out of a pet store.
2: And we also get introduced to Loretta, who I'm not quite sure, aside from a dealer, I'm not quite sure what else her role is here, but that's who Caroline Williams plays, I mentioned earlier, Stretch from Chainsaw 2. Yep. I really love her. She's great. She's got a great attitude in this movie. I don't know, again, like I said, I'm not sure what her job description is, but I like that she's here in this movie.
0: I mean, I have to believe, based on her performance, like I like. I think you're right, her performance is pretty strong all things considered, and just based on her performance and, and based on her aspirations, I think she was very clearly a Las Vegas showgirl when she was younger in her day, and is now finding herself older, her body's not what it used to be, and now she is, like, resorting to dealing, or, uh, I mean, she runs the roulette table like she's clearly fallen from what she believed to be like the prime of her life so I mean most of that is not there in the script but just based on her performance I think that's what you can infer from it at least that's what I got from it
2: yeah and I think also later based on her wish like that kind of comes a little more into clarity like you know she definitely used to run shit on the strip to some degree and Feels like because of her age, she might have fallen off a bit.
0: Yeah, she's clearly got like a long-standing relationship with the owner of the casino. Like, so she's been around for for years.
2: Yes, the owner of the casino, Mitch. <laughs> this guy. I mean, I recognize him, but I don't know him from anything. But he's just one of those guys. I feel like I've seen in, in tons of stuff and TV and everything. Or just reminds me of so many other actors. And he runs the casino and apparently is just being annoyed by like two low-level mob enforcers the whole time for money that never becomes clear?
0: Yep, that none of that's clear to mob guys who may or may not be Gay. I don't know if you picked up on that. No. I definitely got like a gay subtext to them.
2: Okay. Maybe that one scene when they're talking about their underwear? Yes.
0: A hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. I was watching this with my girlfriend and, and she was like, do guys talk about that? And I was like, not in my experience. Like, I wonder if that's the movie's attempt at hinting that there might be like some sort of homosexual chemistry going on there. But I mean, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just inferring that.
2: Yeah. Those guys may as well not even be in the movie movie, really, because they ultimately serve no purpose in the movie, I think.
0: Right. And they're the only characters who are killed without really getting a chance. Like, they never get a wish, you know, that that backfires yeah. on them. They're, they're, they'd they show up in the one scene and then they're, they're killed immediately. And like, that's it. Which I thought was a missed opportunity. I thought they were they were colorful enough and broad enough that like, they should at least get a chance with one of the shekels and make a wish that goes horribly wrong. And But no, No, they're denied almost
2: all of that. Yeah you know what I was thinking they would hold on to the coin and make the same wish and then the Lep would sort of combine them or some something horrible would happen at the same time to both of them but you're right it's off of the Lep's M.O. for this movie that he kills someone who didn't make a wish or who wasn't trying to make a deal or some kind of thing like that.
0: Right or I would even argue that they should have lasted till the end of the movie like they should have survived this movie because they're the only characters that I can think of who maybe except for Tammy but they're the only characters who are not aren't chasing anything out of like greed you know everybody who gets this coin makes a wish out of some greedy impulse and they're the only ones who are they're collecting on a a debt right like that's not that's not greed so I thought if anyone deserves to live to see the end of this movie it's these two guys
2: yeah but alas they don't (laughs) (laughs) I mean and I'm glad I'm kind of glad for degree just because you know it ups the body count and that's cool because that's what they're going for so it
0: does up the body count but their deaths aren't poetic in any sort of sense
2: no no i don't know that there's much poetry here even in the leprechaun's limericks that he's out throughout (laughs) the entire movie
1: there was an old man of madras whose balls were made of fine brass so in stormy weather they both clang together and sparks flew out of his ass (laughs) (laughs) i'm finding this to be a very funny and poetic leprechaun Crooked and sleazy. Stealing gold from humans is awfully easy. Look out, Vegas. I'm taking over!
0: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, everyone else who dies in this movie kind of has an appropriate death, every, like all things considered.
2: Yeah, there's like an irony to it, yeah.
0: Yeah, there's this quick and, in my opinion, pretty
2: undeserved. So Scott decides to stick around the casino after dropping off Tammy, and he's really enticed. He's underage. He's not even 21, so he can't gamble, but he has a tuition check in his pocket for 23 grand? Yeah. And he, like, looks at this check. He asks Mitch, like, where can I cash this check? And Mitch is like, are you underage? Oh, well, that doesn't matter. Go cash this check right over there. Fucking dude cashes the whole 23 grand? I'm losing my mind watching this. I couldn't believe this shit. Like, you don't do that. You go and you get take out, like, maybe three grand or, or a couple hundred. Right. You've never gambled before. For in your life scott what are you doing
0: well you don't know what he needs money for mike like that's one thing the movie never wastes time telling us he seems awful desperate for money, desperate enough to gamble his entire tuition check for a reason we never discover. Like, we never learn
2: that. It's crazy to me how many times this movie just doesn't give a shit about certain threads, and yet they're gonna set up Fazio's flamethrower only to have that pay off and kill the leprechaun at the end of the movie? Like, I don't know if they were doing that intentionally to fuck with the audience or what, but it ultimately adds to the charm of everything, I'll give it that. Sure. So, (laughs) there's that great moment when Loretta is like using the magnet to make Scott lose at roulette and he loses his entire tuition. Right. Oh, and this whole time we're cutting back to the pawn shop where the fucking leprechaun is torturing the poor owner to death. And we're just like cutting back and forth, back and forth. And Scott finally ends up over there to pawn his watch. But upon going in, no one's around and he finds the little gold coin. And then he sees the DVD ROM and he hears something about leprechauns. And I believe that's when he kind of randomly makes his wish that he wishes he is on a winning streak at the casino. Right. And poof, he's back at the casino on a winning streak. And the leprechaun is all pissed off, and that's what gets him out of the pawn shop, finally.
0: And let me just say that this whole movie, from the leprechaun's point of view, like could have been avoided all this trouble if he had just been a little more responsible with his gold once he got it back. I'm just going to say it's almost his fault that now his gold is missing because he just whips that bucket around and then, you know leaves, and of course, one of the coins falls out. Like, if he had really cared about that gold, he'd be more careful with it. That's all I'm saying.
2: I agree with you 100%. I mean, why is he keeping it in a stupid cauldron that barely fits all of it in the first place? Like, he should have some kind of safe that he, like, you know, shrinks and puts in his pocket or something. Yeah. It's insane. (laughs) But I guess those are some restrictions of being a leprechaun. It's like, yeah, you have all this power and shit, but, like, you really gotta keep an eye on that gold. You know, you lose a piece, you're screwed, you get weaker, (laughs) all that kind of stuff. <laughs> oh, so then, uh, so if we cut, we actually get to see one of Fazio's shows next.
0: Fazio!
2: Which, you know, it's not quite the prestige, if you ask me.
0: Oh, it's Joe Bluth-level bad.
2: <laughs> that is perfect.
1: I will become my dead father's body as I am lowered into his grave. Alright, spin it back around. That father? Is, is he dad, that, That's dead? Just keep it together, Buster, and spin this back around. Oh my god! The card! The card! Oh, oh. Something's gone wrong.
0: <laughs> like, the only thing missing was the final countdown. Like, it's really boring really poorly executed yeah it's just i thought this is joe bluth
2: like his big his big thing is you know making tammy disappear and reappear and he has big aspirations to chainsaw a person in half he wants to flame throw the freaking stage on fire but he almost sets the table ablaze like this guy is joe bluth that is perfect oh my god (laughs) i love that because i was thinking mind freak david blaine like those dudes and everything but no you nailed it arrested development yeah with the blue puffy
0: shirt oh it's Job, all the way.
2: And then, oh yeah, and then Gupta dies, but like accidentally. Like the leprechaun's chasing him through the pawn store and he gets strangled on a phone cord or something. Yeah. Like that was disappointing too. Like, oh yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. That was a bummer. So now for a while we get some more casino antics. So Loretta is sort of like starting to wonder what's going on with Scott. She has her eye on that coin. She notices he puts the coin down and it moves itself. She's like, something's going on with that coin. It's got power. Got to get my hands on it. Scott goes up to his room and then Fazio follows him up to steal the coin.
0: Right, Fazio gets the coin, makes his grand exit with some pyrotechnics and then the leprechaun shows up with the food cart to get his cold back but he's a day late and a dollar short because scott doesn't have the coin
2: anymore right right and it was tammy was telling fazio to like all about and Fazio's was like i'm gonna get the coin for myself and then so there becomes a bit of a, a struggle between the two of them for the coin for the rest of the movie but the first fight between scott and the leprechaun is insane yes the leprechaun is now a werewolf he has werewolf power <laughs> he bites Scott. Scott throws him out the fucking window, which was a great dummy that they used for that. Yes, yes. And Scott starts, like, turning into a leprechaun for the rest of the movie. It's crazy. There's going to be, like, a uh, an American Gods-type tall leprechaun by the end.
0: Right. Yeah, it, it, it seemed like they wanted to to create a new rule for this franchise, where if you get bitten by a leprechaun and the leprechaun bleeds into the wound, you become a leprechaun. Which, fair point, that's actually not bad.
2: <laughs> yeah, like, I'm I'm going with it, man, because why not? Like, it's, it's fun. Like, that's a fun thing. Like, I want more leprechauns in the first place, you know? Like, I always felt like more than one should show up in a movie – Anyway, so it's kind of cool here that we're getting it somehow, and it's just another play on another horror staple or, you know, just an idea that's been done a thousand times. Why not just attribute all these werewolf rules to the leprechaun myth now? Okay, it's working for me.
0: Right. You got to be careful not to make it another, you know, gremlins. But I think this is a pretty fun way to to do that.
2: So somehow Mitch gets his hand on the coin and makes the first wish out of all of them. Because Fazio's like, I got the coin, I got the coin. And Loretta's like, give me that coin. And then Mitch is like, what's so so important about this coin? I'm going to hold on to it until... We get all those winnings back that uh, Scott got because of his wish, and Mitch makes like a accidental wish with the coin because no one understands the powers really. Right, and he wishes for Tammy. <laughs> yep. Tammy like falls under his love spell.
0: Well, I mean, to her credit, I think this is where Lee Armstrong, the the, the actress who plays Tammy, gets the most to do as. Stereotypical and gross of a of a character as she becomes, I think that from an acting point of view, like this is really where she gets to dial it up to eleven and and go full force. But yeah, so just to give her something to do, I thought it was it was pretty fun.
2: Yeah, again, she's really good. I feel like she's a good actress. Um, I feel like most of these people are pretty good. I don't feel like the guy who plays Scott is all that great. He actually goes on in real life to become kind of an accomplished screenplay writer. Right. But yeah, I, I kind of it's kind of funny how she kind of turns on this sort of Marilyn Monroe-esque, sultry, sort of seductress kind of thing because the wish is making her do that. Right. Fun fact, this was her last movie. I think this was her only movie. Was it her only movie? Her last or her only, it's unfortunate because I could have really seen her going on to, like Jennifer Aniston got her career and like a lot of people get their starts in horror movies.
0: According to IMDb, she did three movies. And in 1995, she did Leprechaun 3 and an animated film called Magic Island. So I guess after Leprechaun 3, she just didn't want to be on camera anymore. And then ultimately quit acting. Oh, well, that's unfortunate yeah I think is unfortunate because she's definitely one of the stronger performers in this movie you know I think she could have had more of a career but maybe she just had a bad experience here and and, and didn't want to
2: I mean it could be that bad experience might have something to do with the next scene where she's in Mitch's neon dungeon dome of like (laughs) crazy neon lights and shit and it's like I get we're in Vegas and Vegas is known for neon lights but like inside in your own bedroom with like it's a total sleaze pad
0: yeah oh he's got the um, the zebra print sheets and a Big M over his bed, neon lights, like the whole shebang. It's like the most, again, stereotypical cheap Vegas hotel room experience like you could possibly imagine.
2: And then Tammy starts doing like the strip tease and everything like that. But it wears off because he's not in possession of the coin anymore.
0: Right. Loretta sneaks in during that scene takes the coin, and then, yeah, then the magic wears off. And then Tammy is back to normal.
2: And once again, the leprechaun shows up too late. And that's going to be a running gag, is that he shows up right after... The coin changes hands and he starts doing like all of those different characters in the television. Like he's doing the fortune teller character. He's doing like the lawyer and stuff. And he kind of conjures up this babe for Mitch (laughs) to make out with. But it's just going to turn out to be sort of the side effects of his wish. He gets the girl of his dreams, but it turns out to be an insane, crazy cyborg that is going to electrocute him to death. Like, that was a shocker. Yep.
0: Which has a weird human face, giant boobs, and, like, robot everything else.
2: It's like a very early prototype of, like, a sex doll, I, I would imagine. Yes. Any part that isn't essential isn't covered, and you could see the exposed wires and everything. And I gotta say, that was a kind of, that was a freakish, nightmarish... Vision?
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that was because it was a a cheaply assembled robot or if that's what they were going for. It might have been an unintended thing because it just looks, again, so cheaply thrown together. That makes it scarier. I don't know. But that thing is horrifying.
2: And Mitch is dealt with. He's done. He's over. And Scott is having his own problems. He goes to get something to eat and he just orders potatoes, potatoes, potatoes because he's turning into a leprechaun.
0: Right. And then occasionally... He will burst into rhyme and not really understand why. He orders every potato item on the menu, which was like French fries, baked potato, and a handful of other potato dishes. God, it's so stereotypical.
1: Here we go. Baked potato, broiled potato, French fries, potato skin, potato salad, and uh, six potato pancakes. (laughs) Anything else? There once was a lady of Tottenham whose tastes grew perverted and rotten. She cared not for steaks or for pastries and cakes, but lived upon penis o'grut. grotto. Metallica. No wait. White zombie. I've <laughs> got the album. <laughs> Enjoy your spuds. What the hell did I just say?
2: I mean, but that's, you know, they're really trying to be politically incorrect in this movie. Like, that is the... This is the day and age. This was 1995. Like, Politically Incorrect was... The show with Bill Maher was just starting. I mean, it was like in fashion for some reason for that whole movement to start happening was like gotta be pc can't be pc you're too pc having listened to the audio commentary the director definitely is aware of all of this but he is also a seasoned exploitation director like he knows what he's doing here he is trying to offend people if possible and that's just the type of entertainment this movie wants to be and i think for that it, it succeeds without being too negative like it's It's bad, but it's not nasty, right? It never gets to the point of, like, really mean or really digging that knife and twisting it in too hard. Right. Yeah,
0: it always seems to have that playfulness to it, which helps for sure.
2: Now, the next part is one of my favorite parts, and this is when Stretch finally gets the coin. And she wishes for her beauty back. And I thought it was awesome because all they really had to do to this actress was take off her wig and take off some of the makeup and, like, just take off some of the horrible clothes and put her in, like, a different outfit because she's just, she's already, like, really beautiful. (laughs) Right. I wouldn't know if that was part of the gag. If it was like, oh, we hired someone beautiful who was, like, very difficult to sort of make not pretty and then that way when she transforms it's like oh she just got a haircut
0: yeah no katie even katie said she's like this is like every like makeover shows where they just give them a new haircut and a better fitting bra like that's it
2: and it's great like she goes strutting through the casino she's got like her confidence back but fazio gets the coin from her but i think she's like i don't need the coin anymore because i'm i got my wish i'm awesome and i'm beautiful
0: right i don't think she fully understands that by losing the coin she will eventually lose her beauty.
2: Which I wonder if the reason that uh, Scott hasn't befallen a horrible fate is because he got bitten by the leprechaun, and now that he's transforming, he sort of obtained some of the powers to keep him from dying from a curse or from a wish or something?
0: Well, nobody actually dies as a result of their wish. They die because the leprechaun catches up with them.
2: Yeah, but I just felt like they used his gold, and that was sort of because of that, he kills you. Sure. I mean, he is paying for his... Wish in other ways. That's you could say he's paying for it the most. Yeah, and then this is pretty great. Like what what ends up happening? I mean, it's too bad her name isn't stretch in this movie too, because the character stretches to the point where she just explodes, which was horrifying. Again, there's some it's played for laughs and stuff, but if it wasn't. That and the android death, I feel like, could have been, like, really, really scary and and horrific stuff.
0: Right, yeah, I think that's where Leprechaun 3 diverges from Leprechaun 2. Like, Leprechaun 2 has some pretty gnarly deaths in it. The one that sticks out to me is the kid who believes he's looking at the girl he's in love with, and he goes in to kiss her, and it's an illusion. It's a, a lawnmower, and he sticks his face right into the spinning lawnmower blades. Like there's nothing that mean spirited in this movie. It's all pretty much played for laughs. Because if if a person blew up like that, there'd be way more gore and blood and.
2: Oh yeah, this is more big trouble in Little China than. Yes scanners or anything like that right but that was cool i thought that was a cool death like there's a lot of makeup involved and you know they really seem to be trying to go all out where they where they can with this kind of stuff and then fazio wants to be he wishes to be the best
0: the best magician in the world yeah
2: Yeah, you know, he's still doing shows at the same place, but he's a great, he's a much better magician this time. And that's around the time that the kids go back to the pawn shop and they find the necklace, which, don't worry, they didn't really need it. Not going to become important later on in the movie. (laughs) Like, they literally never put the necklace back on the leprechaun to turn him into stone at the end of this. So this is just some kind of, like, kill time uh, antics that they need to go back to the pawn shop and find out what's happening and maybe listen to a little more of... Of the cd-rom that's when scott's like transformation is just getting too out of control and they all go to the hospital
0: right where the like worst medical staff known to man try to
2: fix him this is like one of several healthcare jokes in this movie too which the director really wanted to stick it in there to americans to you know it's, it's still very nowadays they play very well surprisingly you know 25 years later Yeah, I have no idea what's going on with this doctor, but you got to remember, it's the late shift in Vegas. So, like, he's probably seen so much crazy shit that a guy who comes in who's half-transformed into a leprechaun and starts bleeding green, you know, maybe not the craziest thing this guy's seen. I mean, he certainly doesn't appear too surprised by any of that, that's for sure. I didn't mention, but there's a lot of great little shots of the leprechaun roaming around Vegas. Like, he runs into Elvis? Yes.
1: fine suit of clothes, lad. Well, thank you, thank you very much. Those shoes, uh, do they come in blue and
2: suede? I, I really like them, man. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Hey, man, you do that pretty good. Next time, make sure you get paid for it. Hey, man, see you on the flip side.
1: <laughs> Vegas, my kind of town.
0: <laughs> and, and no one in Vegas seems to think there's anything weird about him being there i could see him maybe getting by on the strip with an elvis impersonator but he's straight up like on the craps table and everyone's just like yeah this seems normal like no one no one really seems phased by it but maybe that's just vegas i've never been there
2: well so there was two things i was thinking when he's when he's out and about in vegas outside he could be with a show, right? Like he could be some guy on his break who's in character, who does, you know, one of those like Cirque du Soleil kind of things or whatever, right? Like it's possible that there, you might see a guy dressed up in costume. Sure. And then definitely at the casino, since it's the Lucky Shamrock Hotel and Casino, I just assumed they thought he was hired by the casino to like run around and be like a mascot. And that's why everyone was just like, oh, okay, like that's why he's here. But it doesn't explain why he's got such like a ghoulish deformed sort of scary demeanor to him too like why would a casino hire him and then put him in that makeup right i thought that stuff was fun and, and and a lot of that was all stolen as well like Warwick Davis and like a cameraman and the director were just running around Las Vegas grabbing all that stuff so when you see him in front of like the golden nugget there's like people in the background kind of like pointing going like what's this what's happening like yeah cuz it's they're not extras those are some real people. Oh,
0: I need to go back and watch that scene then because I didn't pick up on that at all.
2: They were able to get a couple people to be unpaid extras who I assume were just like on vacation. But for the most part, yeah, you could catch people going like, what's going on over there? Next up, we have Fazio's show goes out of control because the leprechaun shows up. He wants to do his big sawing a person in half routine, which is so cliche. Like, come on, Fazio. Like, You couldn't have thought of something cooler. You're the best magician in the world. Maybe do something with that flamethrower you've been talking about. But no, the leprechaun shows up and saws him in half in front of everybody, steals his thunder.
0: I actually really enjoy that scene where he's in the box and the leprechaun has the chainsaw. That's a fun scene.
2: Yeah, it's very Wizards of Gore there's tons and tons of blood when Fazio gets cut in half. I really enjoyed that. Like, I thought they were really going over budget.
0: Yeah, I think they, they definitely saved their budget for for scenes like that, for the flamethrower scene at the end.
2: Yeah, so I guess
0: for the money they had, they kind of put it in the right places.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a, something this director's kind of known for is like his stunt work and stuff. So, you know, when they throw a dummy out the window or when there's like an intricate practical effect... Or at the end here, when we actually light a little person on fire, it's not Warwick Davis, but it is a stuntman, and they do actually light him on fire and fly him around the room on a on a rope, as you would a stuntman. That was all real, you know? So it's coming from a certain place where there's no CGI, and there's none of that kind of stuff, and it's all from a practical world. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of respect there, I feel. It kind of, like, in this day and age anyway, puts it up a notch.
0: Sure, yeah. As a big fan of practical effects, you know, I'm, I'm glad that they didn't rely on on CG. I mean, A, it would have been, looked terrible on, on, with this budget. But I also find the, um, the simple practical effects pretty charming in their own way.
2: Yeah, agreed. Like, there's a lot of, like, dissolves. There's a lot of just jump cuts where characters will vanish and stuff. So they do a lot of old-school tricks here, which is a lot of fun. And... We're at the final face-off because Scott and Tammy show up at the casino right as the Leprechaun is doing the coup de gras on the magician. And I'm like, "All right, cool. Tammy's gonna finally get that medallion on the Leprechaun." And nope, like Scott and the Leprechaun are gonna duke it out
1: first.
0: <laughs> yeah, and they have they have sort of a um, rhyme off. It's a rap
2: battle.
1: There it is. Yours for the taking. You'll share nothing i know how you are you're only bluffing trust me lad one devilish creature to another we're like me and you even as hell all the way through
0: yeah yep they go back and forth with their silly irish rhyming
2: they all show up on stage like it, where fazio was sawed in half and scott and tammy have the gold oh that was it they went back to the pawn shop and they, they obtained the gold from the safe and they bring that with in the intent to sort of, you know, say, here's your gold. Like, we're done. Everything's over now. And the leprechaun is like not having it because Scott is also a leprechaun. And so they burn the gold. Yes. And that sets the leprechaun on fire. Yes. Which, new rule, right here at the end, <laughs> the leprechaun feels the pain of his own gold.
0: Yep. <laughs> Why
2: not? Yeah.
0: I would love to have been in the writer's room for this, where they decide to ditch the medallion and just invent this symbiotic relationship between the leprechaun and his gold. Because that has not come up once, not in the CD-ROM, not in
2: any other place of this movie. They just
0: sort of tack it on at the end, and we're supposed to buy it. And you know what? Fuck it, I do. (laughs)
2: <laughs> you know what? I buy it too. I don't care at this point. But what would have been nice is if the medallion like shattered, at least. If something happened so it couldn't be used... <laughs>
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's ultimately, it it doesn't pay off in any way whatsoever. So it makes me wonder why it was in the movie to begin with.
2: It almost feels like, you know, two Leprechaun scripts were sort of like cannibalized to make this one and they forgot to, you know, have a continuity between even those two scripts for this one movie so that they could get some of these rules straight. Again, I don't care because they're just pulling shit left and right out of nowhere. So it goes along with the tone and stuff, but it is kind of nuts. It's great visually. I like seeing the guy flying around on fire and everything. It's dramatic. But that's it. Like, that's it. Like, the leprechaun's dead. It's over. It, like, officially is over because Scott transforms back into a human.
0: Right. Which again, they didn't like read anywhere that if you destroy the leprechaun that you will return back to normal. Like none of this magic is explained (laughs) at all. (laughs) You know, the balls on these filmmakers for for not explaining any of this. I kind of have to admire it because like I said at the beginning, I think this movie was just an excuse to kill people in a bunch of cartoonish, ridiculous ways because none of the important information is in here anywhere. Like, even even that CD-ROM, you feel like it's going to be important, like some of the stuff they learn. But even that is completely useless.
2: Yeah, the only thing after, like, two or three viewings over the course of several years I could gleam off of that CD-ROM is that if you get two leprechauns in the same place, they're very territorial and they will fight. But that doesn't necessarily foreshadow the idea that there's going to be two leprechauns fighting at the end of this movie or anything like that. Like, it's very uninformative, yeah. Right. It's not useful information.
0: It's the illusion of
2: information. <laughs> it's fake news?
0: Yeah. It's <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, man. Well, that pretty much brings us to the end here of Leprechaun 3. I don't think we're going to get Leprechaun 3 Part 2 anytime soon.
0: No, probably not.
2: But that would be amazing if we ever end up back in Vegas with this franchise and we have Scott and Tammy and we see what happened to the two of them after they walk off into the sunset.
0: Yeah, I mean, in terms of American locations, because I mean, it's obviously the Leprechaun. So I would see why they would want to tell like stories in Ireland. That's probably the most appropriate place. But in terms of American locations that would suit this franchise, Vegas is definitely probably the number one spot. New York City would be another good one.
2: Boston, maybe? Boston, Massachusetts?
0: Yeah, 100%.
2: I'd like to see one take place on actual St. Patrick's Day, though. Yeah, that that would be good.
0: Right. Think of the carnage that he could he could wreak on St. Paddy's where there's a bunch of... Well, actually, they did do something in... Was it the, the first Leprechaun in the Hood with um, another dwarf actor dressed as a leprechaun? But they do sort of play around with that. Oh, that might have been the second movie.
2: Oh, was it the second movie? I know who you're talking about. The African-American little person. He's in... Yes. Tony Cox. Yeah.
0: So I think they kind of touched on that. Now I got to rewatch Rupprechaun 2 because I don't entirely remember. I know he's looking for a bride. He's in Los Angeles. But yeah, like, like a full-blown like St. Paddy's Day movie would be perfect. Oh, yeah, it is... It is Leprechaun 2. He plays African-American Leprechaun. All
2: right. Well, you know, I wouldn't mind if they brought this director back, too. He's already done two of them. Like, you know, I like his tone if they ever want to go lighter. The new one, Leprechaun Returns, I like it. I think it's actually, technically in everything, it's better than this one because it's more consistent. It, like, maintains its tone a lot better, and it's more of, like, a horror movie. Yeah. However, why not bring back this guy, Brian Treacherd Smith? I really just want to mention him for a moment here. So I did like, a, when I found out that this guy directed Leprechaun 3 and I, I went through his IMDb, I did like a, a movie marathon. I watched a bunch of his movies before this one. Oh, wow. Because I, I'd actually seen some of them and I didn't know that he had done these movies or all of these movies, but I actually really like this guy. So he's British. He's born in London, England, but he did primarily most of his work in Australia So, like, he's a real big osploitation director. Right. And has made, like, a bunch of Grindhouse movies and stuff.
0: Yeah, he's got some credibility. The movies that I'm familiar with are um, Dead End Drive-In. Watch that. Yep. And uh, Turkey Shoot.
2: Mm-hmm, I watched that.
0: Yeah. So, like, I mean, he does, he, he's made mostly crap, but he does have some, some grindhouse or, you know, drive in credibility, which, you know, I, I think when you're making your third and fourth movie in a franchise like Leprechaun, it's the sort of guy you want. He's got, the know-how. He knows how to maximize a a small budget. I think he does use that money to... I know I said at the beginning of the movie, like it's hard to see where the money went in this, but I think you were right about some of those set pieces, like with the flamethrower and some of the um, makeup effects. So I think that where this movie delivers where it is successful you know that's him putting that money to good use
2: yeah and and he's also very proficient in different styles so here are the movies i watched and i'll talk about them very briefly about each of them so i watched turkey shoot which is basically it's like a futuristic uh, most dangerous game sort of ripoff where it's like a, a concentration camp for people who don't fit into society and then the rich people hunt them for sport right very Grindhouse. Then I watched The Man from Hong Kong, which is, I think, one of his best-known films, which, Dan, I suggest you check out because it's got George Lazenby in it.
0: Oh, no kidding.
2: He's in there, and then I watched Dead End Drive-In, which is a terrific sort of teen exploitation movie. I thought that was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Then I watched... Stunt Rock, which is, a it's half sort of a documentary about a real-life stuntman and half a sort of concert movie about a band from Australia. I think they're called like Sorcery. Okay. Half that movie is really good. I'll let you decide which half. <laughs> then I watched BMX Bandits, which is like a kids' exploitation film. Nicole Kidman is in it as like a very young actress. And it's about three kids on... BMX bikes who foil some robbery plans, it's pretty great. I recommend that. <laughs> then I watched Night of the Demon 2. And both Night of the Demon 1 and 2 are tons of fun. But Night of the Demon 2, I really understood why they brought him on for Leprechaun 3 because it's got the same flavor it's like got more money it's got better actors and a better script but it's the vibe is still there it's just like a crazy horror comedy basically like it almost got like dusk till dawn vibes from it at times and things like as far as how sort of clever it becomes
0: okay yeah and 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 that's kind of consistent with that first night of the demons movie so I could I could see why they would tap a guy like him to make this the follow-up but that's yeah that's a
2: good pick so this guy is good with like across the board like he is he knows how to do stunts he knows how to do horror he knows how to do comedy he knows how to do kids films teenage films adult movies you know like i'm pretty glad that like i went on such a deep dive with his stuff because there's more out there that i haven't seen and there's more out there that looks good too and he's still working so he's out there doing his thing and uh, I just really wanted to give this guy a little bit of props because you know you don't hear his name very often, and I don't know where you would, but I really think that you should I really think that like, this guy should pop up a little more when you're talking about like the history of film, the history of quote unquote bad film or the or cheap movies or independent cinema or action movies or or what have you. So just wanted to make sure uh took a moment for this guy, Brian trechard Smith oh yeah i I agree, 100%. So that's pretty much going to do it for today, Dan, unless you have anything on your mind that you really can't live without discussing further about Leprechauns 3, Leprechaun series in general, um, just Leprechauns in general, anything <laughs> about St. Patrick's Day or March or anything you want to get out there before we hang up.
0: No, no, I think we pretty much covered everything that I wanted to get to uh, as it pertains to this movie. When I first watched all these, I watched them all kind of clumped together. And I hadn't watched them in a few months. And then I rewatched part three for this podcast. And I have to say that based, because I look back on Letterbox to see, you know, what I was thinking about it that first time and I think watching it by itself when it's not surrounded by the other films in the franchise I enjoyed it a lot more because as I watched them in in consecutive order I was like like it it felt like a major not a major but it, it definitely felt disappointing that we had started off at a pretty good place the sequel I like the most the Leprechaun 2 is probably my favorite of all of them and then the third one just felt like a nosedive but when you take it out of that context, the cat and you just watch it on its own. Since there is no continuity from the previous movie or the next movie, you can get away with that. I enjoyed it a lot more this time based on its own merits as opposed to comparing it to other installments in the franchise.
2: I would agree with you on that because the last time I saw it was in sort of a marathon setting where I, I believe I was, it was when I like went through them all. I took a little longer than a week, but I did watch them consecutively. And this time I just watched part three on its own. And I totally agree. I feel like, you know, it's Stands alone better than trying to be, you know, part of the team or whatever, you know? And I think they all kind of do. I think that's what it comes down to is uh, don't have a continuity. Keep them separate. Right. I think that's what works best. I understand that, you know, some franchises can't, some franchises really don't want to, but surprisingly enough for the the Leprechaun franchise, like, I feel like it works best. I feel like when you try and continue the plot, I mean, the new one, surprisingly, a bit of an exception, but like yeah, just don't have a continuity and make that be what stands out for your series. And I think that works and I and I like that more.
0: Yeah, I think particularly with, with horror franchises, more franchises should do that where the movies can stand alone because otherwise you end up with, like well, let's take the Halloween franchise for example. You have all of these movies that bend over backwards to tie themselves to Laurie Strode and it gets so weighed down by all of that that they're not able to really spread their wings and try fun new Stuff. So with Leprechaun and with the Texas Chainsaw franchise, the way we, like when we discussed that the last time, you know, when you think of those as different folk tales, and like these are stories that people heard about this family, that sort of allows the viewer to reinterpret the material and allows the filmmakers the freedom to kind of take their film in whatever direction they feel is appropriate so i think with horror in general like it would just it would free up so many other franchises if they would just not necessarily ignore continuity but not be so tied down by the, t- the continuity
2: oh totally like let it breathe let it be like this has almost become an anthology series of leprechaun film
0: yeah, because it's, it's already so fantastical that you're going to get those people who are like, oh, well, so-and-so would never do this. Well, you know, it's a horror movie. Rules of the real world don't necessarily apply. So, like, why not let the filmmaker have some kind of fun with it? So I think, yeah, I think in horror in particular, this sort of approach would be beneficial overall. And it's one of the things I like most about this particular franchise is that each movie is not beholden to the, to the whole franchise.
2: Yeah, I like that too. And I feel like it's what makes this kind of unique and has it makes it stand out on its own and and that's great that's all i have to say (laughs) all right well dan thank you very much again for joining me have a great month have a great saint patrick's day and i hope you'll come back again sometime soon oh i'd love to thanks mike all right That's going to do it for another lucky episode of Third Times a Charm. I've got to thank my guest, the official Third Times a Charm horror consultant, Dan of the Dead Cologne, for swinging by today to talk Leprechaun 3. Dan will definitely be returning one day soon, and maybe, just maybe, one day, it could be, for another Leprechaun movie. It's just a wish away. Be sure to check out the unprecedented three-episode Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift crossover event. Catch Part 1, that's Episode 25 of Too Fast, Too Forever. Catch Part 2, that's Episode 41 of the High School Slumber Party podcast. And then, of course, Part 3, which is Episode 17 of Third Times a Charm. For all things Third Times a Charm, please go to cageclub.me where you can find all the past episodes of this show as well as all the other great shows on the network. All for free, forever. Forever free podcasts. Don't miss Joey and myself as we watch every movie in both Tom Hanks and Tom Cruise's filmography in a project we are calling The Tom-Tom Club. Each week we alternate between Hanks and Cruise. That's Cruise Club for Tom Cruise. And Hanks for the Memories for Tom Hanks. Two separate feeds. One incredible project. And that's on Fridays, which Fridays are for fun. So check that out. Write me at 3 at cageclub.me. That's T-H-R-E-E at cageclub.me. Any kind of criticism, uh, compliments, whatever, I'll read it on the air. It's all good. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher and anywhere else that podcasts live all across the internet. there are a series of tubes that Al Gore created a long time ago. Look it up, kids. Go to facebook.com slash cageclub and cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram to see all the fun stuff that the network posts up there. Check out our Patreon, cageclub.patreon, where you can donate a little scratch and control what we watch and review, if that's something you want to do. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of Third Time's a Charm, and remember to always bid on green and have a safe and happy St. Paddy's Day. It's a magic number. Three. Yes it is. It's the magic
1: number. Three may stub it me, and that's a magic number. What does the dog mean? He's got be shilling!